The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. Let's talk about it with Janelle King. So here's my opinion. Number one, Joe Biden is an absolute disaster. And I think that we all are seeing that. Obviously, the poll numbers are showing that. That's number one. Number two, this administration is extremely desperate. We're about 60 days out from this midterm elections, and I am seeing a desperation like no other. And the desperation is coming from the fact that he's made so many promises to his base in order to get elected. And not just him, but everyone who was running the same time he was running. Made all these promises to his base, which is kind of, it's really interesting because I feel like when I think about the Democratic Party, that's what I think about, right? I think about 50 years of promises, 50 years of telling me what I should be doing or shouldn't be doing, or 50 years of telling me that we're going to help, we're going to do all these things and not doing it, particularly when it comes to the black community. But that's just a whole other conversation. So let's just start with this. The Biden administration, in my opinion, is desperate because, like I said, number one, all of their promises, their false promises that were made to their base, they're all falling through. And then you compound that with incompetence when you think about what happened in Afghanistan, with the Afghanistan debacle. We have like 13 of our servicemen and women that were taken out. We are dealing with inflation, which is absolutely ridiculous. I went to purchase some food from one of my favorite restaurants. I'm not going to say it because I don't want anyone to act like there's something that's that's a problem with the restaurant because it's not. It's because of inflation, right? So you have to charge more for your food. I went to go buy some, some food and I noticed as I was going through the menu that they had an option for just one chicken leg. One chicken leg. that's absolutely insane $9 for butter absolutely insane I know people think that the gas prices are dropping but sorry $4 a gallon is not good that's still bad we're not in a good space not to mention that we're in the middle of an economic downturn COVID failures we have the CDC falling apart we have Dr. Fauci who is now quote unquote retiring but really he's getting out of the way because everything that he told us we were supposed to do with our kids didn't work matter of fact you set our children back primarily minority kids and then you're forcing COVID vaccines on children after we have gone through a whole scenario around why this was a problem why we shouldn't be forcing vaccines on children but now we're looking at school systems that are now trying to say that if you're not, if your child is not vaccinated they can't come back which unfortunately let's take DC for example impacts 40% of the students who are unvaccinated are black kids so now we're talking about 40% of black children who won't be able to go to school or have to get vaccinated in order to start school after sitting at home for god knows how long that's a whole other situation but that just compounds on top of all of the false promises that was made. Then we also have an approval rating where, where President Biden is sitting at an approval rating that's under 40 percent. He can't crack more than 40 percent. It's been like that for like a whole entire year. So then we have the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Well, Democrats get a little bit of a bump, a little bit, right? I guess their momentum kind of grew a tiny bit, but it just wasn't enough to completely stop this idea of this red wave that's supposed to be coming, right? So what's clear? What I see that's clear, the reason why we're seeing such a low approval ratings, the reason why we're seeing something as major as overturning Roe v. Wade not being enough to really change the direction of where things are going is because of the fact that Democrats are losing minorities. 
they're losing minorities and not to be confused as the same, they're also losing low-income voters to the Republican Party. Who would have thought, right? The party that everyone claims is supposed to be the party of like the super wealthy and rich and all that is really not. It's really the party of the working class now. So Democrats are realizing that they're losing two separate groups. They may be interchanged every once in a while, but for the most part, they're two separate groups. You have your low-income voters, and then you have your minority voters. These voters, one thing that can guarantee you that they don't care about is eating vegan and driving electric cars. That is not something that these people are caring about, because they're caring about trying to take care of their family, make ends meet, and fight through this thick inflation fog that we're all dealing with. So now we're under 60 days until the midterm election. And I truly believe that the desperation is setting in. It's getting comfortable. It is just now it's time to really just like, you know, we got to go for the gusto, right? So the last ditch effort was student loan forgiveness, or maybe I should call it debt relief, whichever way you want to call it. We're going to call it student loan debt relief, forgiveness, or whatever. Clearly, anytime you ask other people to pay off the debts of strangers, you're going to have a problem. It doesn't matter where you stand politically. This is going to be a problem. Do I understand it? Yes, and I'll get into that. I do understand the frustration around student loan debt, but I have a solution that I think would actually work. But then again, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not elected. I'm not the professional here. I'm not the expert. Just have some ideas. You know, I've been to college, had some student loan debt, kind of understand what's going on. However, what we're seeing is that once you tell the public that I'm going to take your tax dollars and I'm going to pay off student loan debt for individuals that I have, I don't even know, especially if I've paid off my debt or if I didn't take out a loan, I worked my way through school and all these other things. You're now, of course, you're going to get what you're getting right now, which is backlash from both sides of the aisle. The Dems are drowning from left to right, pun intended. They're drowning in it. And this attempt to justify by blaming other people or other things that other people have done by, or, or picking out things that other people have done to try to justify your actions is also really lame and I think people are getting tired of it. So now in order for them to try to justify or to attempt to justify it, they blame. Who are they blaming? They're trying to blame people or point us in the direction of individuals who took out a PPP loan. Let's talk about this PPP loan because I'm trying to figure out how attacking people who receive the PPP loan in forgiveness is somehow a strong strategy. I think it's extremely weak because it's an attempt to silence criticism. Criticism that, again, is not coming just from one side of the aisle. It's coming from both sides of the aisle because this is absolutely ridiculous and it's so obvious that this was about other things. So what what is the obvious thing that, that, that we are recognizing? Well, for one, beyond the fact that this is additional debt that taxpayers are fronting the bill. So now you're asking taxpayers to pay more. We're printing money. We're spending money as if we're not in debt as a country. That is absolutely insane. So let's just put that to the side because that's like a number one frustration, right? Then you add to that these people who are having to front the bill, all of us, are also struggling through inflation. It's a whole other thing. Still frustrated with that. But let me tell you why this is really upsetting people to the point where it's actually pissing people off. It's because of the fact that it is pandering. It, to me, is no different than Hillary Clinton having hot sauce in her bag. I think that this is absolutely the epitome of trying to pander to a base that's waking up and, say, and starting to question things. Nothing wrong with questioning. 
like I always say, disagreement is democracy. I believe in disagreement. I believe that's how you create a strong economy, how you create a strong country. But think about it from this perspective. How obvious is it that you're slipping in black voters, so now all of a sudden it's like, I'm going to cancel debt. And it's not really canceling. Let's just start there. I'm going to take off $10,000 from people who are making, what is it? You can't be making over $125,000 a year or something like that. Number one, it didn't even quite work. Because if you look at the comment section of people who are trying to convince us all and on social media that this is somehow a good plan and like the best thing that could have happened, when you think about it and you look in the comment section, people are, the, the comments to me says it all. People are like, this is ridiculous. I mean, what is 10000 going to do? These people are anticipating 100% debt relief because that's what was sold to them. Do I agree with it? Absolutely not. And I'll get into that as well. But this is what the expectation was. So it's really not working. But we're, I think we're all just really tired of the pandering. To be a party that is so focused so much on minority issues, you can't find one or two people that can actually talk to the community and find out what exactly the needs are. Like, we have to sit around here and, and hope and think that maybe if you just toss us a couple of freebies that all of a sudden that's supposed to work. That is absolutely ridiculous. But we're not fooled. We know that this is a whole move to try to pull the base back. Because I believe that a lot of their, their their voters, I don't know, I can't say that they're going to the Republican side. I can't say that. But I do believe that there are a lot of voters that are sitting in the middle right now. There are a lot of undecided voters that are sitting there. I think the Republicans got to work just as hard as Democrats to try to pull people over to their side. Do not assume that it's either or. People are not living in that anymore. It's not either I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican. It's now people are saying that I am also identifying as an undecided. And I think we're growing our undecided, which may not be a bad thing, because now both parties are going to have to put in the work to try to actually achieve and grow and, and gain, uh, gain support. So let me tell you why attacking the PPP loan recipients is just the absolute wrong method. So let's talk about the difference between student loan debt relief and PPP loan forgiveness. And I'm going to start with the basics. Those who have student loan debt are in this position because of a decision that was made. We all made a decision. I'm including myself because I got student loan debt. And when I decided to go to college, I decided, although there were other options, that, and, and, I, and my mom and dad is the same, decided that we would rather take out a loan to pay for school. There's other options. I could have went to the military like my husband did. My husband went to an Air Force Academy and he served his country. He doesn't have any student loan debt. I could have gotten a job where I was working and paying off my schooling and going to school at the same time. People do that all the time. It's actually very common. Or I could have not gone to a four-year university. I could have went to a trade school where I may have gotten a scholarship. But either way, there are other things. I think the moral of the story is that there was a choice. There was a decision in the matter that was a real choice that people had to make in order to be in the position they're in. Again, doesn't justify some other aspects of the decision, but mm, it's still a choice. That being said, when you attack the PPP loan recipients, I want you to know who you are really attacking. Not the people who they're putting on the news, not the people who are doing interviews, not the people that they're listing and, and shaming on social media. I want you to know who you're really attacking when you come after PPP loan recipients. Let's subtract the people and the businesses that received this, this assistance who did not use the money correctly. Let's remove them. We always want to highlight them, but they're outliers. Let's go within the standard deviation. Let's not harp on the outliers. Let's look at the majority of people who utilize this loan. Majority of them, number one, you need to understand, they didn't get this money to pay off a debt. 
there wasn't a debt that was associated with this. Let's go back to 2019. I'm going to walk you through the mind of a small business owner at the time when they were had to make the decision of whether to receive this PPP loan or not. This is just, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about basic small business owners, not corporate elites, not all the other stuff that they try to highlight. I'm talking about these are small business owners. Let's think about it. In 2019, most businesses that are operating successfully, do, they forecast. Forecasting is basically when you put together a strategy to see what is it going to look like down the line? What can I anticipate? How much revenue do I need to make in order to stay in business in a year from now? This is what forecasting is. So let's just say, let's just pretend that this business was forecasting in 2019. And when they forecast, they said, we're coming out of a tough year in 2019. Let's just say that, right? Or it could be a great year, but we're going to go with this. Let's say they had a tough year in 2019. And now we're going to go into 2020 and we're going to plan for 2020 to be the 100% best year ever. I'm going to work hard. This is going to be great. Well, we all know what happened in 2020. And it happened within the first quarter. That's January, February, March. The first three months of the year, we were hit. Let's look at this from a dollar perspective. Let's pretend that this business only has eight employees, which is about average when it comes to an extremely small, you know, or, or not say extremely small, but the average when it comes to a small business in general. So they have eight employees, and let's assume that this company is able to pay. And, I'm, and again, we're not even talking about restaurants. Let's just say this company was able to pay each of their employees at about $60,000 or more. Well, let's just say that the total number of salaries, it comes up to 60000 or in the range of 100, 110, 120000 It's possible for that business to be paying $30,000 every two weeks. That's about $60,000 a month just in labor costs. That's just salaries, not including insurance, taxes, administrative fees, 401ks, etc. That's just salary. So let's just say, let's say, let's say in 2019, they didn't have the best year, but they did make a little bit of a profit. Let's say their profit was about 120,000. That is now what we would consider to be retained earnings, right? Because that's earnings a profit that you can retain and you can either save it or you can spend on other things but it's your money it doesn't have to go towards any expenses or any other costs that's only like two months of salary that's two months and again if that's if you only paid salaries of that that at that sixty thousand a month and you didn't pay anything towards your expenses like electric phone insurance etc So you take that in mind and then you consider the fact that the government shut the economy down. There was not a choice in the matter. No business had a choice. Believe me, if we could have operated, if we could have operated without the government's input, most businesses probably would have kept operating and found a way to protect their employees, found a way to protect their customers. Because what business? How do you have a business when you have no employees? So it's obvious that as a business owner, you're going to want to do things that are necessary to protect your employees. But no, the government made the decision for us. Everything got shut down. Revenue stopped. That means no money, not $1, will be coming in if no one's working. If the, if the system is not working, that means nobody's purchasing your product or your service. So that means you are not getting any revenue. Without revenue, you cannot make profit. It's absolutely impossible. 
and you're quickly looking at not having a business at all. Matter of fact, these these businesses were facing a huge dilemma. If you're going to shut the economy down and tell me that I can't make revenue, and then on the flip side of it, you're also telling me that I'm supposed to somehow, I guess, utilize whatever I have in my savings. God forbid, I hope I have savings to sustain. Businesses were in a dilemma. Do I drop my all of my employees and reduce my labor costs, which is typically what you're supposed to do? Or do I use my retained earnings, if I have some, to continue to try to pay out salaries, even though I, I have no clue when this is going to get better? I don't know if it's going to get worse. And on top of that, I clearly see an end date on my business because I know how much money I have in my account and I know how much money everyone is expecting to get on payday. So while there were many who decided I'm going to cut staff completely. There were also businesses who couldn't afford to cut staff and didn't want to, and they were able to utilize their own income to try to sustain it. But again, that's with an end date that's associated with the pandemic where no one knows when it's going to end, how long it's going to be, or any of those things. If you cut staff, you directly increase the number of unemployed people. So you go from having you know X amount of people employed to X amount of people unemployed. It's just naturally a, a subtraction, right? That is the fastest way to kill the economy, is to put a bunch of unemployed people out in the world and say, hey, somehow survive. So there were others who was like, no, I'm going to try to maintain my staff because even though I do see the end in sight, I still need to maintain my staff. And without revenue, you are paying staff out of money that's going to run out. So here comes the PPP loan. It didn't just keep businesses alive. It kept people employed. There was a benefit to this. It was not just a benefit to the business. It was a benefit to the entire economy. So, yes, there were those who should not have taken out loans. I get it. Yes, there were those who took out loans fraudulently. I mean, I I heard about that, of course. There are plenty of people that are going to jail for that. And if that was you, then you should be in jail. And then there were those who gave money back who realized that they didn't necessarily need it or they may have gotten it and some change got better and, you know, they they gave it back. And, of course, there are the, the corporate companies that we want to highlight as not needing a loan when, in fact, no one can make a decision for a business without looking at the balance sheet. Like, I can't tell you what a business needs or doesn't need. I don't know what your overhead is. I don't know what your expenses are. I don't know what you have coming up. What your but I don't know anything about your budget. So for, for, for even Joe Biden to say things like, oh, the gas is just high because of the gas station owners. Give me a break. How do you even know? I don't think Joe Biden could read a PL statement if it was like, I, mean, I have no clue. Anyway, moving on from him. Many of the people that you are hitting when you're coming after the PPP loan recipients, they're not corporate elites. They're small business owners that have their life savings tied up into their businesses. There are people who saved their entire life to start a small coffee shop that has been shut down because they couldn't sustain during COVID. And that is their entire life savings. The loans went to salaries. And in order for it to be forgiven, which they're not talking about, you have to prove. It is an extensive process. But you have to prove that the money that was given to you went 100% towards whatever it is that you said that you were going to put it towards, which when it comes to PPP loan, had to be salaries. No one was living high on the hog off of the PPP loan. It was legit just keeping people employed. So to make this a bad thing, to me, it's just beyond me. 
do I wish that we didn't have to do this? Absolutely. But I also wish that there wasn't a pandemic. I wish that COVID didn't hit this country. I wish that China had kept it over in China. I mean, that's a whole lot of things that I wish. I wish a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of things I would have preferred than dealing with an entire year of COVID, which happened to be the year, like my anniversary, or my one-year anniversary year was COVID. So, <laughs> so believe me, I would have loved to be able to enjoy my anniversary somewhere bright and sunny and beautiful, but I couldn't. So no one is over here hoping and praying that we could have gotten a PVP loan. We should have never even been in that situation. But that's a whole other conversation. We'll take that up with China. Considering the fact that the government was down for an entire year, like we're talking about a whole year of possibly no revenue for some businesses. Once it all started, it takes time. So once the government shut down and then it decided that we're going to start back up, it's like a machine that moves very slow to start. And then once it's going, it speeds up over time. So once it started, the economy started and started moving in the right direction, there were a lot of businesses who were still trying to survive. There were a lot of businesses that while waiting on that PPP loan money, they were digging into their personal savings. They were taking out loans on their homes. They were doing all kinds of stuff just so that they can make payroll and they can sustain their employees. So when the left attacks the elites, quote unquote, whatever that, you know, whatever that is, they love that word, who quote unquote took out loans, they only highlight the cases that fit their narrative. Please understand that you are low key attacking small businesses. I need you to understand this. You are coming after small businesses. And if I'm a small business owner and I am the only grocery store in a neighborhood and I decide I can't do this anymore and I shut down, you're now impacting an entire community that was depending on you. Small businesses really are the backbone. I believe that small businesses are is the, the heartbeat of our economy. But that's just me. So this is why attempting to justify bad decisions with an even worse explanation is just poor leadership. And those who support the idea of attacking businesses clearly don't know how business works. I really do think that there are people who think, especially on the left, I really think that there are people who think that money grows on trees. I really, really do. Like, I don't think people associate money in in a in a or inside of a business account as money earned through providing a service or a product. I think they think that it grows on the trees in the back. I don't know. But I need you to pretend like you understand business or at least go find out before we start making blanket statements that have you have no clue what we're talking about. But benefiting from the products and services that they provide, like those who benefit from this product and these services are you and me. We all do. We all needed that. So that leads me to this. Is there a compromise? I can't say I don't understand the student loan struggle. I absolutely do. And it's so interesting because my husband and I had this conversation and I said to him, interest rates are out of control. They really are. It makes no sense, the interest rates that are on these student loans. I mean, they make the payments endless. And I don't think by any means that it's the government's fault. A lot of student loans that too came from, like I said, it was a decision. I mean, you know, we, we got to own it. It was a decision. But I do have an idea. And I'm going to put my, my capitalist head, hat on And I'm going to share with you my idea because I absolutely have an idea of how I think that we can address this. I think that we should offer a tax credit 
to the debt holders to incentivize lower interest rates. Maybe if you can lower your interest rates to help support these individuals who are paying student loan debt for like the rest of their lives, if we can lower the interest rates, we can then create a clear path to debt relief. Otherwise, and if they don't, we all have to face the music. And that's just the truth. You got to face the music. You got to live below your means. You got to keep your loans out of default. You got to work a plan of action to, to get out. I mean, Dave Ramsey would, you know, I mean, hey, he'll tell you. At the same time, I don't think there's anything wrong with providing a tax credit to some of these companies who are working to actively um, support those who are trying to get from underneath the thumb of student loan debt. It is really, really ridiculous. And here's the thing. No one's making any money if everybody's loans are just going into default. You're just creating a series of bad credit and people are just figuring out how to live their lives without having to use credit. It's just that simple. You're not actually doing anyone a favor when you are increasing interest. I'm sure the businesses are getting enough money out of it because there are people who are just trying to do the right thing. But you're still in a situation where... No one's, I mean, it, there's just so many people that's just not paying enough and they're not paying their debt. They're paying their debt off. So it's not really benefiting. I do believe that regardless of whether they do the tax credit, regardless of whether you agree or disagree, one thing that is for sure is that we cannot continue to print and spend money. It is not sustainable. If we don't get a grip on this, we are looking at a government collapse. It is happening. When you talk about decreasing the value of the dollar, when you talk about losing our position on the main stage, the global main stage, I can't even imagine falling to China. Like, that's just insane. I mean, we've been number one. We've been a country that has been doing so good. I can't even imagine. I don't even think about it. It's, it's, it's making me nervous just even considering it. In a worst case scenario, America can turn into a third world country. I don't think people understand it. But look what's happening in Sri Lanka. And I'm going to do an episode on Sri Lanka. But look what's happening in Sri Lanka. Let's look at Venezuela. These are places that we visited. This is not something that's like, you know, from a time where we were, you know, we have no recollection. This is happening. Sri Lanka is falling as we speak. God forbid we find ourselves in that situation. And the part that frustrates me the most is that the same people who are telling us, no, that's not happening. We need to continue to focus on the climate. That's more important than inflation. Well, all those people that's like saying all those things will be the same people who are against guns, but will be looking for all of us 2A people to protect them. It'll be the same people who are against eating meat, but will have no choice but to eat it because they have to eat whatever is present. It'll be the same people who are against fossil fuels but will be stuck on the side of the road because of their electric cars breaking down. And the list continues and continues and continues. Can we please find common sense and make better choices? We have to do it. That is my rant. That is my soapbox. I've talked about it. Now you go talk about it. And like I always say, disagreement is democracy. Not to agree. Totally fine. But... Please talk about it. Listen each week at thepodcastpark.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen and subscribe. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. 
or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. <sighs> or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at Camp Margaritaville Lanier Islands.com. <laughs> 